Well, good morning, church. My name is Joe. I'm the next-gen pastor here. Justin is uh, taking the Sunday off, and so he trusts me that much to be able to get up here and say a few words. Uh, and he also trusts me enough to kick off a new series called Fear Not that will continue through until our Christmas Eve services. Um, and so just, you know, Chloe was up here. She did an awesome job just kind of saying we have those Christmas Eve services uh, coming up. But the series is circled around different stories around the birth of Jesus. And, and not only that, but around uh, when angels, when they came to declare how God was moving, what God was about to do, usually these, these angels would come in, but like, they would startle people, they would, they would uh, you know, kind of be frightening, and they'd be like, fear not, here's the news that I'm bringing. And they would announce to people and let people in on know what God was doing. Now, this series is almost like expected. We're in December. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're excited that you're here. Um, And it's expected for us to kind of talk about baby Jesus, uh, the shepherds, the manger, the the little sheep. Uh, uh, Like, that's what we look forward to. That's what we think of when we think of church around Christmas time. Uh, When I was in California, I remember this, one of the biggest services every year, the kids' ministry would put on a little play, and it was just, you know, the, the king's coming, the shepherd's coming. But the highlight of that play was when the preschoolers would come out and they were dressed as sheep. Everyone, everyone just was like, just lost it at that point. And, and giggles and awes and oohs. It, it was a great, uh, it was a great moment. This series that, and, and as we talk through uh, some of these stories, it's stories that we're familiar with. It's stories that we see on people's lawns. It's stories that we can recite, uh, and we know them because a lot of times we grew up hearing them in our Fieldstone uh, or in different kids' ministries. It's, It's very familiar to us. Today's theme or today's big topic uh, feels like that we just took a Fieldstone's kids' talk and we're giving it to adults. And what I mean by that is the, the idea of today that hopefully we can have a deeper understanding of, of this truth statement is the idea that is nothing is impossible for God. It's a very kid-friendly statement. It's something you would expect to, to teach our preschoolers or preach you know, our ele- elementary. It's a very foundational truth. It is a truth that Jesus backed up in Matthew 19, 26, saying what is impossible for man, it's, it, it's possible for God. It's not this revolutionary idea, but our hope today is that maybe we can walk away with a deeper understanding of this truth that nothing is impossible for God. I mean, it is the Christmas season, right? The inner child is supposed to come out. Is anyone else there with me as a, a child, adults, you know, like, we love Christmas decorating. I do the whole Clark Griswold. I love doing the outside, the, the things. Um, I, I know every Christmas we kind of talk about different traditions. Uh, one of the funniest traditions is, like, Leah's like, what, wait, your, your family gets a giant Christmas tree? Like, a Christmas tree where if we don't have scrapes on the ceiling, it wasn't big enough. That type of Christmas tree, if you go into our house, you literally see our, our ceiling kind of scratched up where we have our tree. Uh, and because I remember, that's what I grew up. That was the tradition. These are the stories that I told. I, I remember one year, 
We had a Christmas tree so big, it, it broke the stand and it broke our kitchen table. <laughs> Fell right on it. That's the type of things. And these are the stories that we share. This is the, the good childhood memories. Uh, one of my favorite uh, childhood memory happened when I was in elementary school. Uh, just a little background information. I, I was the youngest of five. I had a dad who worked in the steel mill, midnights, blue collar, just, you know, just worked it out. My mom would stay at home, took, home, took care of the kids, and, and so we, you know, we didn't grow up having everything we wanted, and, and when Christmas came around, my, my parents tried to make sure that we had the best Christmas possible, and my mom would literally start shopping in the summer because she would go to garage sales. And she would start buying gifts. She would start gathering stuff. And I remember this one year. I don't know exactly the year, but I was definitely a middle to young elementary school. And this year, it was we were getting hockey skates, like hockey skates, because we wanted to, you know, start picking up different sports. We were rollerblading, skating in the street in the summer. And so she was like, "Okay, we're going to get you guys hockey skates." But even like 25 years ago, hockey skates were like 150 bucks. So my mom was you know, trying to figure out how to get us these, these hockey skates uh, for Christmas. And I remember we woke up that Christmas morning, uh, and of course we wake up at 5 a.m. That's what you do when you're a little kid, right? You wake up super early, and the first thing that we go through to is, you know, the big gift that we know is waiting there. Well, we, we hope it's waiting there for us. And, and my brother opens up his first gift, and we're similar in age. We're just under two years apart, and he gets these hockey skates, and they look like this. And they're the cool hockey skates, the white lace, the, the ones that you kind of picture an elementary school boy getting. Now, what I ended up getting was completely different. I ended up getting male figure skates. Why do you laugh? This is... This is a story that gets brought up every year, um, but it gets worse. I get these, look at the heel on those things. And I'm not kidding, I looked at them, and I was like, what? Like, you're an elementary school boy, like, I'm about to get made fun of. Like, are you kidding right now? Uh, uh, bless my mom's soul, seriously, <laughs> to some extent, uh, because the next thing that happened, they had these big old VHS recorder cameras that... You know, you had to put on your, your shoulder, and she's recording all this because that's what you do. You record everything, especially in the big gift on Christmas morning. I literally look her right into the camera, and I go, I hate you, Mom. And that's how we started off Christmas that year. It, it was great. Christmas is that one time of year where I thought I was going to get what I wanted or what I wished for, and it ended up being completely different, Right? This phrase, nothing is impossible for God, can allude to this idea. Because I think sometimes we, we look at this phrase, we hear this phrase, we believe this phrase, and a lot of times we apply it on an earthly level. We apply it to situations that maybe relate to us in a human level. For example, like, does, does, you know, can God save America? Well, nothing is impossible for God, right? Does this mean that I'm going to win the mega millions, right? I prayed that prayer. Because nothing is impossible for God. Does this mean that my sickness or someone I care deeply about who is sick, like it's going to go away because nothing is impossible for God? Does this mean that my mental health or my disorder will go away? 
or that addiction will just vanish from me. Like, I'll, I'll never want that addiction anymore. It'll just go completely away. Or, I, or I'll finally find the right person. Or that bill that has been sitting on my desk for the longest time will go away because nothing is impossible for God. I do want to say this, and I want to be honest, all those statements are true. All those statements are true. I wish God would help me win the Mega Million a little bit more, though, right? But we'll say nothing is impossible for God, but my dad still died of cancer. True story. We'll say nothing is impossible for God, but we still find ourselves deciding which bill to pay. We'll say nothing is impossible for God, but that person that we thought was forever still hasn't come back yet. We still struggle with medical uh, issues. We still have our addictions. We still see no end in, in sight. We can take this phrase and we can use it to anything. And the fact is, God is all-powerful, right? I mean, it, it is all true. I don't want to diminish God's power, but I think sometimes we get a warped view of this nothing is impossible for God, and we think of it in such an earthly way that it actually shrinks God down into what he is actually capable of doing. And I, and I believe we should see it in a much bigger way, in the way God intended it, because sometimes we only see it to that extent. Like, that's our extent of understanding of that phrase. And so when we only see it that way, we tend to live it out that way. We believe in the statement that nothing is impossible for God, yet we live as if it might not be true. We still live with anxiety. We live with stress. We live with worry. We live with doubt. We live with the fear of the unknown. But nothing is impossible for God. We'll tell people this statement. We believe this statement, but when we find ourselves in the thick of it, we still kind of have those doubts. We have that worry. We have that stress. We have that anxiety that, that we carry. And sometimes that can just hurt our, our view of God when God never intended us uh, to, to see it in that way. I'll be the first to say, and I have, and I am, and I continue to struggle in those areas. So what do we do? For this truth today, this elementary truth of nothing is impossible for God, how do we live in it? And the first thing I want to propose is that our perspective needs to change. Our perspective needs to change. When our perspective changes from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective, we can see this statement of nothing is impossible for God in such a stronger way, in such a bigger way in what God is actually capable of doing. And I do want to do this because this word impossible, I think we need to kind of understand it. Listen, I, I, the word impossible does not mean very highly unlikely. Does not mean that. Oh, it's impossible for me to get a hole in one, right? hundred years ago, they said it was impossible for us to land on the moon. 30 years ago, it's impossible to have a flying car. 
It's impossible for me to finish school. It's impossible for my marriage to make it. It's impossible for us to afford that. Like I say, when we say nothing is impossible for God, we are not saying God can cause those highly unlikely things to happen. Now, listen, like I'll say this again, I'm not stripping God of his power because God can make the highly unlikely things happen. But if, if our statement is, man, there is no highly unlikely thing God can do, like that just, that's not our God. We just actually just limited what God is capable to do. And so to understand this impossible statement that nothing is impossible for God, uh, I kind of want to look at one Christmas story to really help us understand how our perspective needs to change. We're going to be looking at Luke 1, verses 26 through about 35, or actually, nope, 39, uh, 37, my bad. Luke 26 through 37. And it's the story of the angel coming to Mary and announcing what was about to take place. And so in Luke 1, verse 30, or 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So we kind of pause right there. An angel showing up is a very big deal. And we have to understand this. Like, we, we hear it every season. We hear it around Christmas. We even hear it in the song. I mean, this is a story that, if you've been in the church any amount of time, like, you might know this. But an angel showing up is a big deal. This wasn't Cupid. This wasn't a floating cloud. This wasn't a half-naked baby. This wasn't, like, sometimes what we would picture. This was an angel angel. These are servants of God fighting spiritual battles, speaks and acts on God's behalf. They are protectors of God's blessing and or bring God's judgment. This is like a big deal. And there's no wonder when we read verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled. So anytime I kind of read scripture, I try to put myself in that situation. Like, okay, what does it mean greatly troubled? Because a lot of times we read over that and like, oh, that's cute. Um, But I I just don't even know what Mary was thinking, right? Like, I I was trying, okay, when when would I feel greatly troubled? Is it like getting called down to the principal's office? You don't know why, right? Getting called into your boss's office on a Friday afternoon? Even if it's good news, your parents using your middle name, even if you're... (laughs) 35 like me, like you're like, oh, they went there. Like that type of idea. Like Mary was greatly troubled. And so we're kind of looking at the situation as a whole and we're going, okay, this is like this type of announcement is giant. It, It is huge. And we go into verse 30. It says this, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. In verse 34, Mary says, How will this be since I am a virgin? First, virgin means what it means. Young, not married, pure, ask your parents. <laughs> I don't have to do that up here, all right? Basically, there was no chance this girl could have been with a child. No chance. She could not have been pregnant. And not only that, she was engaged in, in kind of history. What would happen is uh, you would have kind of this meeting with the families, and it was a former agreement by the fathers. Maybe there was goats, cows, whatever involved in that. Uh, and they would have this type of ceremony. And this is like the engagement ceremony, right? And there was mutual promises made. There was exchange. And the husband would go away. And so Joseph was gone. He wasn't even around Mary. He's probably by his father's house away. He was setting up a home, building, making it, nesting, whatever you want to call it, getting it ready. And Mary was away at home before they actually came together. So for them to actually separate, they legally had to do a divorce because that's how pretty much they were married, but Joseph was away. And so this is the situation that Mary walks into and she automatically, you know, she finds herself with a child and her alibi, her story is an angel told me. <laughs> like, okay, this is the type of situation Mary's in. Now, I don't want to minimize the amazing opportunity to allow God to use us, right? And hard situations, fun and scary, everything in between. And we should always feel honored and feel blessed when God, uh, when we are allowed to be used by God. But it's not always easy, right? And I think Mary finds herself in that situation. The angel comes to Mary, and I just want you to hear what the angel says to Mary. He says this, so you're going to be with a child, not only that, but it, it, it's going to be a son. Not only that, but you're going to name him Jesus. Not only that, but listen, he's going to be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. Not only that, but he's going to sit on David's throne. And his kingdom will reign forever. Like, I'm going to have to sit, sit down after hearing something like that. And that is the situation Mary finds herself she finds herself in the impossible. The impossible. This is not a one in a million chance. This is not some odds that could happen. This was the impossible for someone to get pregnant and still be a virgin. This, is, this wasn't 2022, right? With medical advancements or whatever. This is zero AD impossible. This is not some cute, fuzzy story where we take the phrase, nothing is impossible for God, and it really shows us what this phrase means, that God can take the impossible and make it possible. Here's a fun fact. I, I kind of want to talk about this because it shows us a little bit about Mary. Um, Mary questions right there in, in verse 34, how will this be? You know, I'm a virgin, how will this be? But the way she questions isn't full of doubt. It's actually full of faith. I think it's a question that is curiosity, 
but not dismissing, not doubting. And we, and we can read earlier in the chapter when Zechariah was uh, approached by an angel in the temple, and you might be familiar with the story. He goes in there, and the angel declares, listen, your wife Elizabeth is going to conceive a child. And, and, and he says this in verse 18 of uh, Luke 1. He says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And we see what happens to Zechariah. He gets his, his tongue twisted. He can't talk until the baby's born. He declares the baby's name as John. I just kind of sit on what Mary actually did. When she questioned, we can know that she was full of faith. I'm sure she felt honored. I'm sure she felt willing. And on some level, she had no doubt. So after verse 34, when she asked that question, verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on, come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relatives, is going to have a child in her own old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. The impossible was made possible. This is the impossible we want to focus on. The heavenly impossible. The heavenly outcomes, the, the impossibility that only heaven can cause, only God can do. God works the impossible. He has in the past and he always will. Listen, understanding and believing in the virgin birth gives us a greater picture of what God is capable of doing, and we need to hold on to that. We need to dwell in that, even this elementary truth. As we read that story, we can, we can look at the impossible and go, yes, that's, that's God, that's my God, that's, that's what the God I believe in, because that God claimed he would do it, and that God did it. And a Savior came. And so as we think about the story and the birth of Jesus, and we think about these angels declaring this to Mary and the impossible made possible with God, the real question is how do we apply this truth in a heavenly way? How do we take this truth that nothing is impossible for God and literally live it out? Where do we start? The first step I want us all to realize and understand is this. You are the impossible. You are the impossible. I am the impossible. It's impossible that a sinner, a lawbreaker, a broken person could have a relationship with God. A holy, righteous, perfect God that chooses, wants, and desires a relationship with you. That's where we start. All the mega million things and all that, very highly unlikely, but God wanting a relationship, God wanting to restore you, God wanting to forgive you, God wanting to pay your debt, that's the impossible. We are the impossible. And listen, listen, God's plan had to be impossible. It had to be impossible for you because we're sinners. We're broken. 
We would never believe it. We would never believe it. God's plan had to be impossible to prove what he said was true, to prove what he was doing was, was true and was for us. God claimed he would do it, and he did it. And listen, if it wasn't true, then let's all go home. Because what are we doing here wasting our time on a Sunday morning when we can have brunch? God did the impossible, not the highly unlikely. Not the highly unlikely. He knew our sins. He knew that we needed something impossible to show us his possibility for the love that he has for each and every one of us. Can I say this? Really, we shouldn't be sitting here in church, right? You shouldn't be. Whether wherever you stand within your faith in Jesus, you shouldn't be here unless God was making the impossible possible. It doesn't make sense. But it makes sense when we believe in that statement. That you are the impossible. That God is continuing to do the impossible in and through you. And when we grow and we continue to grow within this understanding of what God is capable of doing, that is having a heavenly perspective. And that's where we begin. That's where we should always begin. Everything else, all the highly unlikely stuff, will fall in line. And as we grow in this heavenly perspective, that heavenly perspective allows us to live life a little bit different. Because listen, if God can do the impossible of salvation through you, he can handle everything else. He can handle everything else. We will have trouble. We're going to go through hard times. It's the Christmas season, right? We're going to have it. Whether it's this month, next year, 20 years from now, or we'll continuously go through it. We're going to go through hard times, but when we live with this truth, when we start with that perspective that we are in the impossible, the, the, the stress that we feel is put in perspective. The anxiety we feel, the worry, the unknown, the doubt, the fear, we can hold that to a heavenly perspective, and we can trust that God's got it, that God already did it, and that God will continue to. He can handle everything else. He can handle everything else that is perfect in his way because he is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. I believe that's part of the story of the virgin birth that sometimes we take for granted. Cute little story, but he did the impossible 0% chance that that could ever happen. Zero. Listen, if, if there's some people in this room that have been asking for the impossible, right? You've prayed the prayers, even good intentions, whatever you've been asking, but I do want you to understand this, that if God is choosing not to do the impossible thing you are asking, he is choosing to do something else through you. He is choosing to bring you peace Enjoy when we lean into him and when we understand that he is way bigger when you shouldn't. He is, under, he, he is choosing to show off his impossibility in you, not just around you. 
as we carry that statement, this kid-friendly statement that, that nothing is impossible for God, we need to see it in such a bigger light. We need to understand the first fact is that you are the impossible. Jesus made it possible through his death and his resurrection that we could have a relationship with God. And if Jesus can do that, then everything else is, is, is easy. All the un, highly unlikely it, it is, is, is doable. And the last thing I kind of want to leave you off with this is that obedience is your responsibility. Trust is your responsibility, but the outcome is always God's responsibility. And so as we pray some impossible prayers, as we pray prayers around this holiday season and into the future, just trust that God's got it. God's already done the impossible. And so, fear not. Nothing is impossible for God. Fear not. Our God is big and mighty, and he loves you, and he'll take care of you, and he'll guide you through whatever you're going through this season. And you don't have to live in the stress, the worry, the doubt, because nothing is impossible for God. And we trust in that. Let me pray. Lord, you are big. You are uh, just a mighty God. Sometimes we just can't comprehend what you're capable of doing, Lord. But thank you for this story of Mary. Thank you for the, the birth that, that she gave and the, the victory over sin that Jesus overcame and the death and, and the payment that was paid for us, Lord. I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone out here that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, I pray that you would just touch their heart. I pray that you would just show them what you did for them. Show them that you are the God that can make the impossible possible. You are the God that can rescue. You are the God after their heart, after their soul, after everything about them. And so, Lord, we just pray that if there's anyone in this room that needs to make that decision, that they would do that today, that they would do it at this very hour. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming out. Justin will be back next weekend uh, and continuing the series. And so we'll see you next week. Thank you.